0: I would like to take about the next 20 minutes to examine the narrative that, that Peter's just read. Um, ironically enough, as we look at this narrative that we, by God's providence, are in today, there are a certain number of issues that reflect directly on our times and some of the events that we've seen just this last week so I want to take about 20 minutes to walk through this narrative and to bring out some points and then together together as a congregation to spend time in prayer uh, for our city and our nation and then to end today celebrating with Jesus our only hope through his communion table in Acts chapter 22, Paul has been uh, beaten, nearly pulled apart by an outraged mob of Jewish believers. They're appalled at his teaching that Jesus is God and the way to God and that he is God. Uh, not that Jesus was a way to, or that he pointed to God, but that Jesus was God in the flesh. It's different than every other religion. Every other religion has a prophet who points to God. But Jesus said, I'm not just a prophet who points to God. I am God. And as he did this... Paul points this out and he's arrested for it and he's actually arrested and for his own safety, uh, he's pulled away from this Jewish mob who would unjustly, not just persecute him, but who would kill him, literally seek to rip him apart. And last week we looked at the way that Paul shared his story, his testimony, as Peter alluded to, his testimony of God's overwhelming grace, of God's rescue in his life. And first, it's interesting that the Jews, they listen to Paul. And I want to take us back to verses 22 and uh, 23. It's interesting that the Jews listen to Paul all the way up until he mentions Jesus' vision for him to go to the Gentiles. Because I think we see, in a sense, racism that is at work, even in the first century. Look back at verse 22. Up to this word, they listened to Paul. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. What were they upset about? They're upset about Paul's last statement in verse 21, in which he said, Jesus had commanded him, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They were upset because Paul was claiming that God was opening up the Israelite nation to welcome in those outsiders, those people who were uncircumcised of another race, of another religion. Today I want to talk about the way that the gospel heals racism. And the first point that I want to draw out from this passage, especially in light of the events of this last week. Racism is a sin that Jesus came to tear down. Racism is a sin that Jesus came to tear down. Hang hang in there with me. Let me explain what I mean. Jesus had sent Paul to the Gentiles. There are different race of people. They were uncircumcised. They didn't have Abraham as their father. Right. You know your Old Testament history all the way back. In Genesis, God comes to Abraham, a Gentile, uncircumcised. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And so Israel looked to Abraham as their father. And they became upset when Paul shares with them that God has now said, I'm going to give access to Gentiles, to these unbelieving, uncircumcised men, and I'm gonna allow them to also experience my grace. The Jews protest Paul's message because it threatened their religion, it threatened their politics, it threatened their hopes and their dreams, and it threatened their way of life. Does that sound familiar? And so we see evidence of of what I believe is prejudice and racism as far back as the first century in biblical times in which the Jews would not accept Jesus because it meant letting go of their vision for power and influence and governmental freedom. Now, clearly, I am drawing out some characteristics and some truths that relate to what we have been seeing and experiencing in the news, and the events that have taken place, not just in this last week, but in this last years. But I think this last week has awakened some of us. When I say some of us, I'm gonna do something that I have never done at Mercy Hill Church before. I'm gonna talk to white people today at times, and I'm gonna talk to African Americans. And I've never done that before. But I think for those of us who are white, this week awakened us to begin to recognize some of the realities that our African-American brothers and sisters have been facing and talking about all along. Racism is a sin that Jesus came to tear down. Prejudice continues today it waves its ugly head in small yet significant conversations they come out in ways like oh I can't believe you shop there with those people is it safe what are we saying in that conversation what are we saying about the individuals who shop there and the way that we prejudge certain parts of our city because of the people who live in that area they go on. Maybe a neighbor calls the cops to break up a basketball game because shootings happen at places like that. Or maybe they're not so overt. Maybe they're nuanced. The pronouns that we use are the overall attitudes that we have and that we carry. Robert Smith is a prince of preachers. I've always looked up to him and he's an African-American brother who said very well that although there is open doors for African-American brothers and sisters, it doesn't always mean that there's access. Racism continues today and it's been helpful for me just to have um, some brothers in Christ who have taken time to post videos um, Stu from the Verge Network interviewed uh, propaganda, uh, hip hop artist and poet. And I think Chris did a good job of posting that on social media. We need to get that posted to our uh, to our Mercy Hill Facebook page. And and in it, he describes uh, racism as different than prejudice. We prejudge in prejudice. But in racism, racism is structures that support discrimination. And that continues today. And I'm going to be honest, in my own heart, there have been times where as a, as a white man who enjoys white privilege that I don't even realize, there's been times where I've had the thoughts of, can't we just move on? Do we have to keep talking about color? Do we have to keep talking about race? And the truth of the matter is, yes, we do. Because racism continues today. I want to remind us that African-Americans were labeled as three-fifths human at the time that our country was founded. And so for many of us who stand and look at a constitution in which we say we're proud to be a part of a nation in which all men were created equal under God, we have to recognize that our founding fathers believed that to be all white men that African-Americans were only treated as three-fifths human when our founding fathers, they they bickered over this issue as to how to count the population in order to determine delegates to our government. And they only counted African-American slaves as three-fifths human. It took the 13th Amendment for slaves to be freed and not just for them to be freed, but for them to be viewed as fully human. In the 50s and the 60s, some of you who are here and you you grew up during these times and you know them well, much better than we do. And we need to be reminded because, listen, the 50s and the 60s were not that long ago. African-Americans gained the right to vote and and education, equal education. But yet we still struggle with equal education because of, of issues like redlining There are real issues today in which national banks even recently have been fined incredible amounts of money because they have they have refused to give loans to certain areas where red lines would be drawn and say we're not going to resource those areas and those areas are going to continue to remain impoverished. The way in which we've set up our education in the past has caused impoverished areas to struggle because schools are funded according to tax dollars. And when low income homes are in those school areas, those schools are underfunded. We're part, if we are white, we are part of a structure that continues to hold many African Americans down. And the truth of the matter is that racism is a sin that Jesus came to tear down. Ephesians 2, read it verses 11 through 16. The gospel has torn down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile alike. And Jesus came in order that the gospel would be open to everyone, that all would be brought near, that all would be redeemed. we look at this narrative in which Paul is caught up in, there are more truths that we see. The tribune continues to seek answers to Paul's background and the reason for the riot in Jerusalem. And so uh, the tribune orders Paul to be beaten. I find this really interesting. It's at this point that Paul chooses to use his Roman citizenship to escape the beating. You look at uh, verses 25 through 29. If Paul ha- hadn't been a Roman citizen, he would have suffered an unjust beating with no trial. But because he had the status of a Roman citizen, he's instantly uh, given certain rights. And it's really funny the way it plays out. The tribune says, uh, I-, I bought my citizenship, which is really what he means by that. I-, I had enough money that I can buy influence. Because he had enough money, it, there was no legal buying of citizenship in this day. He bribed someone. And so you see that his name most likely. Claudius, I think, reflects the emperor of his day as he got his Roman citizenship, he through a bribe, he changes his name. Paul steps up and says, Oh yeah? My Roman citizenship comes by birth, which would be a higher privilege. And because of that, Paul doesn't suffer. And it brings me to my second point. Racism brings about unjust punishment and the loss of human rights. Racism brings about unjust punishment and the loss of human rights. Everyone should have rights. No matter their race or creed or religion, each of us are made in the image of God, and that means we should uphold each other's dignities, even when we disagree. We're called to love all men and women, to love them as much as we would love ourselves. And to my white friends, let me say this. We must care because our brothers and sisters in Christ are hurting. There are many African Americans who do not feel safe, because they're very simply treated differently. Paul is treated differently, and he actually gets to use his citizenship in order to gain influence, in order to get out of a beating. But there are times in which racism brings about unjust punishment, and it brings about the loss of human rights. And we are called to care about that. It's real. I'll tell you how real it is. A couple years ago, we would play basketball. It's probably been three years now. We play basketball on every Sunday afternoon on our street, and we would just large group of kids and young adults and young men would gather. And one day. Um, I asked a small group of guys that I had grown fond of and um, had conversations with, and we would eat together. And I asked one young man in particular, his name was Remy, I said, Is racism still a problem today? And he said, Oh, yeah. And I said, How does it affect you? He said, Let me tell you a story. He said, One time I was pulled over by an African American policeman. He said, This is what I, he said, uh, he wasn't white, he was African American. And this is what he asked me. Why are you walking down the sidewalk? He said, would you rather that I walk in the middle of the street? And the policeman said, you just looked like you were up to something because you were walking down the sidewalk. Remy said, I can't win for losing. If I do the right thing, I get punished. I get looked down upon. And it's not just Remy who feels that way. I hate the idea of having a conversation with my youngest son because he's adopted and he's brown skinned that I would never have to have with my older sons. And the events of this last week show that I'm not a good parent if I don't have that conversation in order to say there will be times in which you may be prejudged. There will be times, I talked to Matt about this uh, this last week. Matt and I were working out on Friday morning and just, we were talking about all that's taken place. And Matt said, I have to figure out how to have a conversation with four of my sons who are brown-skinned because they're adopted. And I have to explain, Matt um, is gonna be a policeman here in Memphis. He starts the police academy in September. And he said, I'm gonna have to explain the conversation of how they need to act so that one of my fellow officers doesn't shoot them these are difficult conversations and it's not just a political problem because i think for many of us we have seen the events that have taken place over the last few years and we sit back and say yeah that's a that's a political problem that that ne- they need to fix or I really think it was bad timing on many people's parts on social media over the last couple days to begin posting all the facts about how more uh, white individuals are actually killed by police and African-Americans. It's not the time for that. It's not the time for fact-finding. It's the time for allowing people to lament and weep and to recognize, if nothing else, that our world is broken and that we're in need of a savior. It's not just a political problem, the gospel makes it a personal problem. And I, want, I hope that if nothing else today, that each of us would see that this is a personal problem because we're all brothers and sisters through Jesus. African-Americans are our brothers and sisters in Christ and therefore the injustices and struggles that they face are struggles for us as well. And let's be honest, in a city like Memphis, there are many, many struggles. Talk to Earlene Sanders, and she will tell you as she works at MIFA. She will tell you the struggles of poverty and the struggles of education and the struggles of single moms that she works with on a daily basis. Talk to my wife, and she will tell you of the moms who call her during the week and on the weekend, and who say, I need help and I can't raise my kids anymore and I need somebody to come take them right now. These are our struggles. They're not the struggles of a political system. They're not the struggles that we're called to to excuse through facts, but they're the struggles that are our struggles because these are our brothers and our sisters, white friends, Ask Jesus to give you a heart to see African-American struggles as your struggles, especially our brothers and sisters who struggle with homelessness, with a lack of education, with poverty, with crumbling family structures. And that we would stop making the excuses that the poor or the African-American poor need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps like we did because we didn't. We live in a day and time in which white privilege gives us so many opportunities that we've simply no idea what it's like to fight the uphill battle of those African-Americans who are born into poverty, who lack education, who lack opportunity, whose moms are busy trying to provide, working multiple jobs, whose dads oftentimes are absent, sometimes in prison, I know not in every case, but in many of the cases of my African-American friends, that's been their struggle. And it makes all the difference when we love someone. You know, I've kind of grown tired of looking at social media this week. One of the things that I've grown the the most tired of is seeing other Christians telling everybody how they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to do. Christians, don't be so foolish as to think that, that, that the struggles that we face today in our world are struggles that information and facts and evidence can solve. These are not struggles of skin color. These are, th- these are struggles. Racism is not about skin. It's about sin in our hearts. Only Jesus can bring the kind of forgiveness and reconciliation and help and hope that our nation needs and that we as a people and as a city need. Evidence will not do that. Information will not do that. Social programs will not do that. Only Jesus can teach us how to love here's the deal. If one of my brothers or sisters comes to me and they need help, all of a sudden, when Terrell tells me, you know what, my bike is broken and I need to take it back to Walmart, all of a sudden for me, it's not a, oh man, that's one more thing on my agenda. Oh, I don't want to help Terrell. Oh, Terrell doesn't have a car. No. I'm happy to help Terrell because I love Terrell. And I love the fact that I get to take him and that he's gonna get another bike and that he's gonna have transportation and Terrell, you're gonna get your permit (laughs) and I'm gonna stay on your behind until you do. Amen? Okay. 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 Because I love Terrell. When we know people and love people, it makes all the difference. The final piece that we see here is that racism is put to death through the hope of the resurrection. In verses one through five, it's really interesting. Paul gives us a lesson in respecting unjust authority. Paul gives us a lesson in respecting unjust authority. He doesn't realize that the high priest is the one who's speaking to him. And even though the high priest was evil, if we look back at church history, we see that this high priest is one who took, um, he took some of the wealth and the uh the wages that were supposed to go to other priests, he took them away, kept them for himself, he was evil. But look at the way that Paul responds in humility as he comes to understand that this is someone who's in authority. And even though Paul is being treated unjustly, we see him humble himself and come under the Lord's authority. How does he do that? Well, very simply, the gospel answers everything. And the gospel even shows us how we can suffer under unjust authority. First Peter chapter two, Peter writes and says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Now listen to this. For what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it, you endure? So what? You sinned and you're beaten for it. You should have been. But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The gospel shows us that we're going to suffer unjustly at times, but that doesn't give us the right to go in and to take on our own authority got a friend right now in Russia and Vladimir Putin has just recently in this last week signed into law, the strictest laws against religion. You cannot share the gospel outside of a church building now in Russia. And, uh, we were, Katya was, um, a friend of ours from a couple of years ago that we met at a training event and we, several of us were writing, so we were praying for her and we were realizing that even in her social media feeds that she was probably going to have to be careful of what she writes because the, the government would be viewing those. We're going to suffer unjustly at times, but we look to God, the righteous judge, who will bring about justice one day. And Paul knew that, and so he humbles himself. The Pharisees and Sadducees, it's really interesting how this whole thing ends. Paul throws out a conversation in which he talks about the hope of the resurrection and it throws the whole group into turmoil. Real quick biblical history for you. Pharisees, they uh, followed the law. They believed that as they followed the law that they um, were part of Israel and that they would have the hope of forgiveness and the resurrection. And the Sadducees, the easy way to remember the Sadducees is they were sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection. Cheesy, I know. (laughs) And as they are fighting in turmoil, I think we see a tension that actually exists today amongst many people. The problem in our day and time is not an information problem. It's not an evidence problem. It's a problem of the heart. Our problem in our world can only be solved when we come to see Jesus as the one who has rescued us. And as our rescuer, he teaches us how to love. And he teaches us how to be family. And he teaches us how to see one another as equal and how to love one another, and how to care for one another as if we we're loving ourselves or caring for ourselves. Racism isn't a skin problem, it's a sin problem. We're all made in God's image, and there's only one race. It's called the human race. And the gospel frees us from prejudice, and it shows us true love. I want us to take the time today to to gather together corporately as a family. And in just a minute, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I know that there's several of us in the room, but I'm going to ask us if we would just to move out to the aisles and to move out to this front row and to spread out as best we can we're going to gather together and I'm going to set a microphone up front and we're just going to spend some time praying over our hearts and our church and our city and our nation and our world. And I'm going to ask particularly for some of you who are our elders. I don't mean like pastor shepherd elder. I mean, you're our elders in age. You're uh. You're not old, you're middle-aged, right? (laughs) And I'm gonna ask for some of you who, uh, Jeff Hendricks, who lived through segregation and who have seen struggles in this city to pray over our city for continued racial reconciliation. For Miss Earlene, who would pray over the poor in our city and those who are struggling and many times misunderstood and under-resourced. For Mark and Karen, that you would pray for our law enforcement. They, you guys already do a cop stop in which you host dinners for uh, police men and women who would come in and that you would feed them and just show them kindness. And that we would pray and seek the Lord and seek repentance where it's needed confess our sin to him ask him to break us and to break our hearts for the struggles that are around us and that he would open our eyes to the ministry that he's called us to the ministry of reconciliation so if you would um, join me and uh, let's gather together grab a hand of someone who is near you you guys can make another row along, um, along that back row and we can kind of fill in the circle if that's okay. I'm going to ask um, Jeff Hendricks if he would start us out and um, then just open the mic. And as you feel led, uh, if you would, um, come to the mic and uh, and pray.
1: Father, uh, we just come before you humbly and... Uh... As the pastors mentioned, uh, we know the only answer in all this is found in you and through Jesus Christ and the love that you've shown to us in Him. In my lifetime, which is not a long span, we're all just here and gone, uh, a vapor that appears and vanishes. Uh, There have been a lot of changes. Uh, It used to be that Uh, People of color couldn't even eat in the same restaurants that white people ate in, that they had to go separately to a drinking fountain that was different. Everything was apart, and it was a terrible thing. That's been changed, but yet, in the hearts of people, there's still this uh, seed of racism that rears and its ugly head in ways that uh, people themselves don't even recognize uh, in their thoughts and their thinking patterns when they first view someone. This is the stuff that only your spirit can weed out, uh, make evident and free us from. For each one of us Lord uh, help us turn to you and seek your guidance Help us to look at our brothers and sisters as that, brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to look at those that don't know the Lord as those that need to know the Lord. Help us to only see the difference in that there's those that have been redeemed by Jesus and those that have yet to have found that redemption. And may we be instruments in sharing it and uh, May we in no way ever be instruments in segregating anybody uh, for any reason—race, uh, faith, whatever. Uh, may we be able to show the love of Christ to all people at all times. Father, we just pray for our nation. Uh, it's it, it's a tense time right now, and a lot of people just wonder what's going to be come of all of this. We need your help. We need you to work through the leaders of our country, failed though they are like we all are. We just ask Lord that you'd help uh, this country find its answers in Jesus. Thank you Lord for uh, this message that we've heard. May it find root in our hearts we sincerely pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. My father, I just say amen to what my brothers prayed, and oh Lord,
2: you are the great reconciler. Uh, we need a reconciliation in this uh, city and nation, and you've reconciled an, an entire people that uh, you have knit together in our mother's wombs, and you can reconcile uh, this race issue, Father, and I just uh, lay it before you. Uh, Like an infection, it needs to be opened up and revealed, cleaned out, and let the healing begin, Father. And I just thank you for being the great reconciler that we, uh, dead in our sins, were reconciled to a holy God through the blood of Christ. And that same blood can reconcile this nation. Uh, Father, I believe you've called many people in this room into this field of ministry in Midtown Memphis. And if you've called us, you've equipped us and Father, uh, even through uh, our meager works, uh, we're attempting to speak Jesus into the lives of our police officers, our neighbors, our teachers, uh, those in the city that just live here, that we see day by day. Uh, Father, I think of the, the gentleman working every Sunday just next door across the parking lot that uh, is there in that convenience store. and. Uh, Lord, I just raise him up as an example of how we can speak Jesus into people's lives through our, our smiles, our handshakes, our conversation. And Lord, I do think of our police officers. Uh, I see them in our home. And uh, Lord, we're just getting started with that ministry, but we're, we're just attempting to speak Jesus into their lives. But what I see is men and women who get up and they put on all sorts of uh, protective, offensive and defensive gear every day, and they go out not as black and white, they go out as brothers and sisters who are bound together uh, in a common bond to do their job. And Lord, I pray for those in this room that we'd get up each day and put on the armor of God and go out in common uh, with a common um, responsibility, and that is to just let the light of Christ shine through our lives, and. Lord, uh, I want to ask Karen to pray over our police officers, but I just thank you for all of them. I've grown to just love them as they, they come into our home. Uh, even the, the nights they can't come because the city is so crazy, uh, they, they want to be there. They look for a place of safety and to just watch them um, as they begin to relax a little bit. Uh, they come in just searching the room out uh, very distrusting and most of the time they leave relaxed and um, they know that people do in fact care for them and Lord I um, I thank you for that privilege of being able to serve in that way
3: Lord I just pray for all of the police officers here in the city and all around the country And uh, um, Lord I just pray that you pr- uh, put a hedge protection around them as they go out I know um, that they have very little pay for what they do. They just do it to serve our communities and our country. And I just pray that you will protect them as they go out. I pray for Matt as he goes into this in September. I pray that you will um, just put uh, courage in him and uh, Lord, what you would have him do in our community and just protect him as he goes and help him to get through all of his tests Um, especially those coming up up after um, he gets back from Africa. And I just pray that you will um, just be with Tiffany during that time. And just, um, again, just put a hedge protection around all of our police officers, in Jesus' name.
4: Dear Lord, you have put this in my heart and it's burning my heart. Um, You have have saved me from my sins and you've given me a love for all people. But yet, despite all that, I can see that deep in my heart, Lord, there are times when I let uh, racism influence my behavior or make the decisions that I might make even without realizing, Lord, that it's there. And so uh, I do love everyone, but I don't always treat people like I should according to your will and to how you want us to love one another. And so I ask this now, I confess this, Lord, <sighs> and I ask, Father, that you remove things from my heart or even that you show me things and make me aware of subtle ways that I might be racist, that I think I love everybody, but then, Lord, show me ways where I'm prejudging someone or doing something because of somebody's a different color. Only you know my heart, and so I give this to you, and I ask you forgiveness for those times, and I pray that you make me more sensitive to when I sin in that way, Lord, that I might be aware of it. And then, Father, I know that I can do no good thing apart from Your Holy Spirit. So I ask You, Lord, that show me where I've been trying in the flesh to do the things You want me to do, and show me, Lord, uh, make Your Holy Spirit overpower my fleshly spirit, that I might walk in Your way in, a, in the in the Spirit's way, and that. Um, I do the things you want me to do and act the way you want, but I can't do them on my own. So I ask the Holy Spirit to be powerful in me and take over, and uh, I just need you, Lord. I need you to walk, help me walk the right way, and I pray for my brothers and sisters, white and black, Lord, that you give them wisdom in how to live in this city, Lord, and how to relate to one another and take away fear, Father, because perfect love casts out fear. And so I pray that you take away the fear and uh, things that our culture has embedded in us, Lord, things that we believe to, by other races that are not even true, but it's so embedded in us culturally. And so I ask, Father, that you break loose those things and pull them out by the roots and uh, forgive me and help me be what you want me to be. And I just need you in that, Lord, and I thank you. And I pray for police officers, black and white, and I pray for the people they encounter and they can only do anything good or this sin can only be eradicated and reconciliation cannot happen apart from you in our hearts. And that's what I ask for and pray for in Jesus'
5: name. Lord God, we thank you <clears throat> this day and every day forward. We're going to rejoice and be glad in this day. Lord, we pray that you make us disciples. We have enough room, people in this room, to show your love. And most people give a witness, they can talk a good one, but to show a good witness, white and black, together in unity, to show us, uh, show other people that do not know your way and do not know your word how to live. There's no no better witness than a Christ-like witness. Father, you said if we came to you in your name and uh, three or more, well it's about a hundred of us in here, Lord, give us the strength, the wisdom under your guidance and supervision to display love, grace, being humble, and selfless and showing mercy among one another and others. And I think we can get through this thing with your help. Help us, Lord God. We are sinful by nature and we need you to help us, guide us, and instruct us what to do in the right way. Lord, just help us and and keep us, guide us. I'm praying that you stop this division. Show us how to have mercy among one another. Your greatest commandment is love. Lord, teach us truly how to love one another, not just show things, but truly prick our hearts, Um, make us see things that we do that are wrong. White, black, Chinese, African, whatever, Lord Jesus, just help us and keep us correct things um, that's in our hearts because this thing is a hard thing like the pastor said it's, it's a sin thing and it's embedded in our hearts help us to loose this to rebuke it rebuke ourselves in the name of Jesus and keep us uh, show us day by day how to live that's the only way we can do it day by day in your word teaching your word showing your word through love and guidance in these things we pray in Jesus' name.
6: Holy Father, thank you for for these hearts that have been opened. Thank you for your spirit that is moving. Forgive us for being a culture of, of knowledge and of and of pride that comes from that. Help us to be a people who will listen first and learn. Help us to be more ears than mouth in this time. Let us be sensitive and give us opportunities to engage in understanding. Understanding on a deeper level than, than facts and figures and numbers or stories. Just help us to, in a sense, get over ourselves and help us to, uh, to, to really deeply and truly depend on your spirit, that not by our power, not by anything that we do but only by walking in your love. And as a church here at Mercy Hill, but also as the Big Sea Church, we ask you for the forgiveness of this, of that we, we continue to look to see what we can do and how we can act and how we can, uh, in some ways, exert our influence. But do a work in us to flip all that upside down so that they will know that we are your disciples by the way that we love, through the love that you have poured out. you have not held back through the difficult and painful process of redemption. Help us to engage in that. Help us to live that calling in our lives and every interaction that we we have. We thank you for that Lord, that, that your love can be proclaimed and your love will be proclaimed through us if only we can listen to your spirit and walk in it.
0: Silence is a a gift because we oftentimes in our day and time do not take time to reflect. And we allow events to take place and then we find ourselves moving on to the next event, quickly forgetting. So my hope today is that This is only um, the beginning and a starting point at which we as a family um, of those who are called out in order to be on mission would begin the process of allowing the Lord to break our hearts for the things that break His. Uh, We are in a struggle that uh, we oftentimes try to overlook. Uh, July the first, there were four children Here in Memphis, who were killed by their own mother. Um, With a butcher knife, she slit their throats. It's not, uh, we can't even fathom that. And so we have to recognize that there's a struggle around us that is spiritual, that's demonic, that's evil. And we have to come against that, not with information or with facts, but with the gospel of Jesus and with his love that overcomes all evil. And so I I wanna um, call out the names of those um, four children who uh, would be lost but not forgotten. Jesus knows them and loves them. And then I wanna call out the names of those that we may recognize from the news this last week. that we would remember their families and pray for them. Six month old Yazzie Gardner, two year old Savi Gardner, three year old Saya Gardner, four year old Talon Gardner, Alton Sterling, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Philando Castile, Falcon Heights, Minnesota. The names of the officers killed in Dallas Brent Thompson, Patrick Zam- Zamaripa, Michael Kroll michael smith lauren aarons and as we pray for them as we end today i would instruct us and direct us to end in the place that we began yes lamenting and sorrowful but with hope because of the gospel of jesus direct us to his table the communion table in which we're reminded we're given a physical reminder of of the grace that's been poured out on each of us and as you come here today remember that his table is for sinners that's why it exists it's for sinners who would recognize that we're broken and that we're in need of a savior and this may sound crazy to you but the bible would say that what that mom did to her children the unthinkable the unfathomable the very child that she brought into this world, that she would, in a destructive way, take their life, the Bible would say that we've done worse because we've looked to our very Creator and in the pride within our hearts, we've said, no, you will not be God, I will be God. We've said it in a hundred different ways in a thousand different times. And the communion table reminds us that Jesus came in order to tear down racism and prejudice and all the sins that have been in our hearts, all the ways that we would seek to make our own way to God, to make ourselves God. And the communion table is here for all of those who through repentance have declared that we are in need of a savior, that Jesus is our only hope, and that through his death on the cross in which God poured out his wrath upon him, Jesus suffered unjustly the very wrath that should have been poured out on us in order that we could be forgiven in order that we could find eternal life. If you know Jesus as your personal savior, we invite you to his table. It's a table for sinners like you and I. If you don't know Jesus, allow the tragedy and the brokenness of our world to point you to your need for a savior. Talk with a friend, talk with me. We'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus, how you can find forgiveness, how he can change your heart how He can change your life. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to His table. It'll be messy. We're all in a circle. We'll figure it out. We'll show each other grace. Father, thank you for the grace that has been bestowed upon us. Grace upon grace. Father, we pray for the men, women, the families of those who are grieving, loss. God, may we weep with those who weep but God, may we not weep as those who have no hope. Father, as we look at our city, my prayer is that through the work of your spirit that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours. God, call us not to do what is common sense, but call us to be obedient, whatever that might be, as a church, as individuals, as missional communities. Jesus, thank you that you are our hope, that you're our savior, that you're our rescuer. Thank you that you're our justifier before God, and that one day we will stand before him and we'll claim your blood. And our Father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into you my rest. May your communion table remind us today of the hope of the resurrection and of the hope of Jesus. Thank you for the gifts that you give your church. We worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. The communion table is set up on my left and on my right.